The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. With 30 member podcasts in the network now, there is a show for everyone, whether you like sports, movies, politics, current affairs, and really just about any other topic you can think of. Just about. And thanks to the support of today's show sponsor, ATB, we creators can focus on doing what we know best, making great pod. Find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We've been to London before on this show. I put out a call for guests and an overwhelming number of Canadians living in London responded. I interviewed all the ones I could reach, and so here we are, our second Expats London episode. Whereas before I spoke with someone who moved from Montreal, that was episode 46, this time I'm speaking with someone who moved to London from Toronto. That's going from a city of about 3 million to one of about 9 million. According to a Huffington Post article titled 10 Differences I've Noticed Between Canada and the UK by Tom Gamble, Canadians think Toronto is crowded, but Brits thought the London Olympics were, quote, a bit busy. Join me as we talk microbrews, passive aggression, and the price of maple syrup with a Canadian living in London on the expats. Welcome to the Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Emma Maximovic graduated from York University in Toronto at a time when it was hard to find work. She moved to London seeking experiences and opportunities, lived a few scenes from Empire Records, and eventually landed a job in publishing. The first job in publishing that I got when I came to London was for this um, legal directory. So basically, in the world of commercial law, um, there, there are these vanity uh, publications, these like mega books that you could use to to keep your door open, um, and they basically rank lawyers, and it's and it's kind of a a stopping ground for journalists looking to take that step into real journalism, um, and then lawyers who've just completed their degrees waiting for you know the next the next stage in their training. Um, and so we met one day, um, funny enough, in our in our mutual boss's office. Um, we'd both been called down to uh, give our opinion on a design on a book, and yeah, and then it was uh, love at first sight. Oh, well, really? That's that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I say for me, I can't speak. I can't speak for him, but I'm just going to go with that. It was love at first sight for him as well. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, and so. Tell me a little bit about the journey from from you know cho- choosing to move to Toronto from Toronto to living abroad. So when I finished university, um, you know, I was heavily involved in student journalism world, and I was doing some reporting for um, a music and film magazine called Chart. I don't know if you remember it. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was you know, but I was I was you know going and reviewing North by Northeast and making, you know, $10 doing it. So it wasn't really something that I could call 
you know, my, my profession at that time. And at the time in Toronto, it was really, I mean, I don't know what it's like now, but it was really hard to get a foot in the door. I really wanted to work for either the Globe and Mail or the Toronto Star. And, and it just didn't seem like it was an achievable goal. So I sort of felt I wanted to have a bit of uh, an adventure. And I have a British passport because my mom is British. So I, you know, started looking up journalism jobs and it turned out that there were, so I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll move to London, try it out for a year, see, see how I go. And if, and if I land something great, if I don't, then I can always come back. And so that's kind of how I made my journey to London. And was it, uh, was it an easy decision then? It sounds like it kind of was. It sort of was because, um, I was just sort of ready to to leave Toronto. You know, I knew I didn't want to be in Toronto anymore. It you know, starting to feel small. Um, I didn't quite like the way that it was going. Um, so I just thought, you know, I'll just go and try something different. And you know, England, for obvious reasons, has always been a huge part of my life. And um, you know, I I have some friends here, so I thought, why not? Just just go for it. So I, I assume then when you arrived that we're talking about something that was kind of a soft landing. Yeah, it was a soft landing. When I arrived, so the first job that I actually got when I arrived was working at the H&B on Oxford Street, right in the middle of London, um, because I'd worked at H&B for, you know, my entire life in um, most of high school and then all of university. So that was kind of an easy, an easy step in to actually trying to get some money into my account. Um, but I was only there for three weeks until then I found this job with a legal directory. It's kind of interesting to me that uh, that you would wind up doing, working in a place where <laughs> like HMV doesn't exist anymore. I know, I know. It's so depressing as well, you know, because it, it, was, it was so great when I first started working there. It was, you know, it was like it was in Empire Records. We ignored, you know, all the customers, judged them on their music taste. And, you know, we didn't so much as steal CDs, but, you know, bagged all kinds of free free promo copies and, you know, tickets to shows and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then what, like 10 years later, it's gone. Wow, that's that's kind of messed up. So so it was a soft landing for you. There wasn't much yeah. of there wasn't much of a, a culture shock per se. But uh, no. tell me a little bit about what it took to get established there. Was it was did family just make it that much easier? Um, family made it easier, but actually I didn't have any family in London. And so to be honest, the first, you know, six months, almost the first year that I was, that I was in London and we're, it was really hard because it's a big city, greater London area. There's what, 12 million people now. And I came from a city that, you know, was one of Canada's largest, but it at, at best had 3 million people. Um, you know, so London's the kind of place that if you don't have a lot of friends. It can feel very, very lonely. Um, and I and I was actually really quite ready to pack my bags and go back to go back to Canada. And then I obviously met my husband, and that changed everything. So how how did the two of you meet? So we were um, basically we we were in our boss's office, and we were both new at the time, and he worked on a different floor than I did, and. Uh, the boss decided he was going to call in, he's a bit of an eccentric, and he decided he was going to call in all the new people and get them to give their opinion on this, like, pseudo graffiti cover for this uh, student book. So <laughs> my husband kind of came in, 
took a look at the book, you know, gave his opinion on the cover, and then said, I've got, I've got to go, and then left. And I was like, oh, who's this guy? And uh, then we ended up sitting next to each other at the Christmas party, and we pretty much hit it off, and then didn't have we haven't really left each other's side since then. And when you uh, when you finally did get married, did you uh, did you come to Canada for the wedding or did friends and family from Canada come to the UK? So we actually got married in Montenegro um, because we so my my husband is from Bosnia originally and um, his parents have property there. So we've been pretty much every single summer there um, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's hot. It's mountainous it the the water is amazing the adriatic is a beautiful place for swimming and architecturally it's just stunning so we we decided that actually you know because montenegro has such a huge place in both of our hearts that we'd get married there so i had family uh you know and friends from canada grit their teeth and say okay you are making us come to this very obscure eastern european country that will come fine um and i think at the the most flights that one one uh, wedding guest took was four, four flights to get to our wedding. Whoa. Yeah. That's unreal. But like a, a totally yeah. picturesque kind of place, isn't it? Oh, it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And we got married just overlooking the old town in this um, little sort of beachy, beachy town place called Budva. Um, so and, and all the, the um, architecture, it's all Venetian. So it's like clay roofs and, you know, sandstone, sandstone, yeah, sandstone um, walls. And it's just beautiful. And tell me a little bit about like the differences that you've noticed between, you know, British culture and Canadian culture since you've moved. Well, so British culture is, is uh, where do I start? <laughs> passive aggressive. Yeah, yeah. So the Brits are passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> No, the Brit, the Brits. I don't know. It's it's funny because I have such a love hate relationship with the Brits. Um, but they, I feel like the Brits have this kind of inferiority complex sometimes, and that comes across in their sort of passive aggression. Because um, I don't know. It's it's it's. They just feel like they have to have the upper hand on everything. So it's you know, it's the way that you talk. It's the way that you write. It's the way that you. Um, you know, conduct your daily life, you know, that they're always, there's kind of like passing judgment. Um, I'd say that's probably the first, the first one. The second is that they're not as friendly as Canadians. So I remember when I, when I first landed here and I, and I had that job at HMV and I was, you know, using all of my well-trained customer service skills and the girl in the cashier next to me told me that I was scaring customers. And actually I could, I could see that I was scaring customers. That they, that they were actually recoiling every time that I was like, hi, how are you? <laughs> you, were, you weren't reserved enough. No, I wasn't reserved enough. No, no. And I also quite, you know, my voice is very loud <laughs> by comparison. So I think they also had a problem with that. <laughs> so you actually frightened the British. <laughs> I frightened the British, yeah. <laughs> That's my claim to fame. <laughs> We're going to take just a quick break so I can tell you about some opportunities you should be taking advantage of with our sponsor, ATB Financial. If you're a student looking for work experiences, you definitely want to be part of the ATB 101 program. Think internships with meaningful responsibilities and chances to work on fascinating projects with really great people. Right now, there are dozens of job opportunities for students and you don't want to miss out. A lot of these just got posted last week. Visit atbcareers.com and type student into the simple search. 
There's something there for just about everyone. And who knows, if you get a job, maybe we'll get to meet because full disclosure, I work there too. That's atbcareers.com. And now on with the show. So is that one of the things that you would say that you miss about Canada? Yeah, I, I, I definitely would have to say that. Um, you know, even in the, 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 the smaller points in life, you know, like I, I'm a runner, so I go running quite a lot. And when I first moved to London, you know, I was waving at every single runner that, that I came across, you know, because as you do, right? And, uh, and the looks that I got from people were just, you know, why is this, why is this girl looking at me? Why is she trying to make eye contact with me, you know? Um, and so we were just recently in Toronto and I uh, went out for a couple of runs and, and every, every person that I came across, they were all, you know, good morning, good morning, good afternoon. How are you? You know, <laughs> wow, people are actually nice to each other. I forgot about that. You know, it's really funny because my, my partner is, uh, she's originally from South Africa, but her family is English. Yeah. And yeah. she, that's the thing that she loves about, she we used to work in the mountains. And when you're on a hike, you always say hi to people because yeah. it may be the last person you ever see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so like in the city, it's not really like that, but, but she still will, she'll get really mad when people don't acknowledge that she said hello. Yeah, yeah I know. And I, and I felt the same. And then you just sort of succumb to it being here. And, and sometimes you find yourself, you know, in the opposite shoes. Like we went to Seattle one year and we walked into a shop and the shop assistants were really heavy with the customer service. And I, I was actually scared, you know, <laughs> a bit like the way that I scared the Brits, you know, when I first arrived in London. What about, um, what about things like uh, creature comforts or, you know, some yeah. of those Canadian products that, that you might not have in the UK? I don't know. I mean, in terms of um, Canadian products, I don't know, you, you, you get most of everything, you know, I guess that's, that's what globalization does, does for the expat is that you can pretty much access anything you want at any time. But I guess, I guess little, little things like, um, you know, I, I'm forever and always uh, banging on about this, but uh, it would be nice to have a washing machine that doesn't take two and a half hours to do single load. <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, just things like, things like that would just significantly increase my my quality of life. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, or like or like having a dryer, you know, that isn't part of the wash that isn't part of the washing machine, or having a refrigerator that isn't you know the size of a beer fridge that you had in in university. So, does that actually mean like if you've got a smaller refrigerator, does that mean that you actually go out and purchase food sort of every couple of days as needed? Yeah, you do. But but doesn't that mean like a like a better quality food? That's a good question. Uh, I never actually thought about it like that. I more thought about the fact that you end up spending a lot more <laughs> than if you, did a, if you did a big shop. And I guess you know, on average, we we don't tend to throw away that much food. But but I guess you're probably right. Your food would be a lot fresher. It's just very expensive. Yeah, I guess that's one of the main differences. Like, are, are there are there food stuffs that you can't get because of cost or that you maybe don't get quite as much because of cost? Um, well, we certainly don't get a lot of maple syrup, let me tell you, because <laughs> maple syrup here is so expensive. Um, but no, I think on average, I think, you know, it's, I think it's more and more, um, if we're going to splash out on anything, it's probably we splash out on wine, nice wines or beers. 
Which there are an awful lot of in Europe. Which there are, all, uh, yeah, an awful lot of in Europe, definitely. Although I have to say, having recently been back to back to Canada, you know, the the microbreweries that are popping up all over Ontario. I mean, I don't know what it's like in Alberta, but in Ontario, there are loads of microbreweries making some really, really delicious beers. And you kind of come back to the pubs in England. I mean, we found this anyway. You come back to the pubs in England, and you pretty much only have you know, like Cronenberg and Foster's on tap and it all tastes like, like, you know, just flat water basically. <laughs> yeah. You know what? The, uh, the craft beer scene in Alberta has gotten much better in the recent past. So uh, yeah, we, we are, I I'd say we're contenders with some of the craft breweries in BC and Ontario now. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah. I mean, you just, I guess you, you, you appreciate that, that extra care that's, that's put into the brews because you just don't, you just don't get that here. You know, we do live down the road from the Fuller's Brewery. Ooh, I don't know if you. Yeah, we do. Yeah, so we can actually smell when they're brewing big, big, big quantities of beer, which is quite lovely. That's great. That's that sounds like the perfect neighborhood to live in, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It is pretty good, actually. And, and Fuller's has really nice beers. So, so in terms of where we are in London, we're pretty, we're pretty uh, set. Now, you you have one or two children. We've got two. And how has how has having kids sort of impacted the way that you guys have been able to experience Europe? Because I imagine being in London, you try to get out a little bit and, and see the mainland, I suppose. Yeah, we do. And actually, it hasn't impacted how much we see Europe at all. We're, we're very much of the view that the world is out there to be experienced, and you're going to do that with your children no matter what. And how- so we've... we've loads of Europe with one kid and then two kids. That's terrific. How much of uh, how much Canada do you include in the, you know, the conversations you have with your kids and, and the way that you're, I don't know, teaching them about your heritage? Uh, a lot. <laughs> Sometimes too much. I think my husband thinks I'm brainwashing the kids. Um, <laughs> they both have, they both have Canadian citizenships and my daughter has a passport. I'm just going to work on getting my son's passport. She says to me uh, almost on a daily basis, can we move to Canada? <laughs> I really like it there. Um, so, yeah, Canada factors factors huge. But, I mean, you know, in terms of teaching them about their culture, I we try to we try to immerse them just as much into my husband's side as well. Um, yeah. And some of that is speaking the language. Um, so we, we try – well, I say we, I mean – my husband and then his parents try to speak to my daughter Una as much as they can in Serbo-Croat. Um, my son is only one, so he's still quite little. But I'm, but but they they try to speak to him in in the language as well, because that you know we we feel that's that's really important for their, for them to grow up understanding you know both sides of of their family. Yeah, for sure. Now they, your daughter's saying she wants to move to Canada. Has she experienced a Canadian winter? Uh, no, <laughs> no, she <laughs> she's only experienced Canadian uh, summer and spring, but no winter. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. But she's been on both sides of the coast, so she's been to St. John's and she's been to Victoria. Oh man, that's great! Yeah, yeah. That's like uh, that's as much Canada as most Canadians ever get to see. I know, I know. My daughter and I both experienced St. John's for the first time together. So (laughs) that tells you everything you need to know. (laughs) That's awesome. I guess my last question is really about 
advice for other Canadians who are maybe considering an expat experience, given all the things that you've been through, what kind of, uh, what kind of advice do you wish you'd had when you, when you first made the move or, or some information, I guess, that you wish you'd had before you'd left Canada? I guess I wish that, that I, someone had said to me, no matter how hard it feels at first, and no matter how lonely you feel at first, just keep keep at it, keep pushing on, um, because those, you know, circle of friends will form themselves over time. Your life will get sorted, um, you know, and and just keep keep you know pursuing the reason why you went there in the first place. Um, and don't ever give up, and don't ever let anybody make you feel bad for you know being a little bit different to how they are. I guess just what's been what's been really wonderful for me being here is that even though London is such a huge, huge, messy, dirty city, um, it's what has been wonderful about living here is, you know, through times of crisis, being able to see how much of a community this city is. You know, so even though there are 13, 12, 13 million people here, you know, when when the London Bridge terrorist attack happened, people really came together. The same when the Grenfell, I don't know if you heard about the Grenfell Tower fire. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. So when that happened, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's in our neighborhood. That's on our doorstep. We drive past that tower every time we go to pick my daughter up from my in-laws, you know. And so so people just dropped everything that they were doing and they, they banded together to, to help one another out. And and I have to say that, that that's been one of the most beautiful experiences about living in this city. So they're the British. They're not all that bad. They're not all that bad. That's the end. That's yeah, that's the moral of the story here. <laughs> they may they may get under your skin, but they're not all that bad. <laughs> that concludes this episode of the Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself. And let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart, and if you haven't already, you got to subscribe to The Expats wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. You can also follow us and like us on both Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Expats Podcast. The Expats is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. If you're looking for a playlist where you can sample other great Alberta Podcast Network shows, visit gradio.ca. And if you happen to be a fan of terrific listener-supported community radio in Alberta, download the CKUA app and you'll be able to access all Alberta Podcast Network shows directly and stream them right into your ear holes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks. <laughs>